here tonight. And it turns out so was I. But uh, got a call from Bradley just a short time ago. And he was somewhere in Ohio. The plan yesterday was to make a quick trip to Indiana. He had somehow located a, a truck that he wanted to buy, make a trip up there and a quick trip back and be back at Bethel on Sunday. They intended to be here this morning, Bradley and Emily and Terry Don and Peggy Sue. It's been one thing right after another, according to Bradley. I think the... Uh, the vehicle that he has purchased perhaps is giving him some, some issues. And uh, they're trying to make their way, still trying to make their way back to Tennessee, but they, they're, they're encountering problems with the vehicle that he's bought. And so they're still, when I talked to him a few minutes ago, they hadn't even got into, crossed into Kentucky just yet. And so uh, Bradley's apologies for not making it back, he fully intended to. I, I told him, I said, don't worry, Brad, I'll hop up there and ad-lib for 15 or 20 minutes, and, and I think everything will be okay. And so, uh, hopefully, I can ad-lib for a few minutes. I, I decided to speak on something that I believe I could talk about just about any time, and that is God's plan. We talk a lot about the plan of salvation. I even touched on it this morning. I spent one, one portion of my lesson this morning was about the plan of salvation, even, even uh, extending that into walking in the light as, as he is in the light. But when we talk about the plan of salvation, we're usually talking about hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. And of course, that's very, very important. We need to teach those things, and, and everyone needs to be obedient to those things. But if we really look at the big picture of God's plan for the salvation of the human race, it goes a lot further than that. There's a passage in Titus chapter 1. Paul tells Titus here in Titus 1, and verses 2 and 3. He says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God, God's had this plan in his mind all along, but has in due time, when he knew the time was right, manifested his word through preaching. We've got God's word now uh, in written form. We can read it, we can study it, and we can preach it, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. And so this plan for the salvation of the human race has been in the mind of God, Paul says here, uh, even before time. There's a passage way back in Genesis chapter 3. I want you to look at it with me uh, just, just briefly. This passage is right after, this is right after the fall of man. Adam and Eve have, have, have sinned uh, in the garden, and, and this is what we read in verse 14. So God said to the serpent, he's talking to the serpent now, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Now notice, he shall bruise your head, and you will bruise his heel. Many people believe that even at this point, this is already a reference 
to God's plan when he would send that Messiah into the world. Yes, the devil would, would have his way for a little while. Jesus would go to the cross. He would bruise Jesus' heel. But he would not win this thing because Jesus would resurrect from the dead. He would bruise Satan's head. And so many people believe even this early in the Scriptures, we already see a reference to God's eternal plan, which we know, Paul has just told us, was in the mind of God before time. Now we know, by the time we get to Genesis chapter 12, God is telling Abraham that I'm going to make of your seed a great nation, and through your seed all the world will be blessed. Now we know that God was definitely speaking of the time that through the lineage of Abraham, that Messiah, that Savior would come into the world. Now it's going to be a long, long time. In fact, from the time that Abraham receives this promise till the time Jesus comes into the world is just about as long, somewhere around 2,000 years, as it has been from Jesus' day to our day. That, that's, that's how much time is going, to, is going to go by here. But we already see that God has this plan in mind. This Messiah is going to come through the lineage of Abraham. But Abraham and Sarah are getting older. They don't have any, any children as of yet. And so they decide that they need to help God. They need to, to fix it. God. And so Sarah says to Abraham, here's my handmaid, Hagar, have an heir with her so this lineage can continue. God's uh, planning on you uh, 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 being the father of a great nation. You don't even have any, any descendants at all. And so let's help God get this thing fixed. And sure enough, Ishmael is born. That's not the way God intended it to be. In Genesis chapter 17, Genesis 17, let's start reading at verse 16. God says, talking about Sarah, I will bless her and also give her a son, you a son by her. And then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations, kings of peoples shall be from her. But Abraham fell on his face and laughed and he said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who's a hundred years old? Abraham can't imagine how that's going to happen. And shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? It's, Abraham thinks it's impossible. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that, that Ishmael might live before you. We've already got, got Ishmael. How about just letting him be my heir? But God said, No. Sarah... Your wife shall bear you a son. You shall, she shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And so maybe we can learn a lesson here. And maybe that is don't try to fix things for God. God's got a plan and he knows what he's doing and we need to leave that plan alone. That's not the way it would be. Abraham and Sarah tried to fix it with, for God. No doubt their intentions were good. But that's not the way God had it planned. Look at Genesis 21. And we will see 
God's plan. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So Isaac, Isaac was a, a, a miracle child himself because Sarah should have been way too old to conceive and bear a son. But because God planned this, it's the way God intended it to be, God made it happen. Isaac grows up. He marries a woman named Rebekah. And even here, we see God's plan being played out. Now, the way things were done in, in this day and time, the oldest son would, would be the heir. The oldest son would, would get his father's blessing, and, and any plan would be carried out through that oldest son. That's not what God intended to happen. Look at Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. Let's start reading at verse 21. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, If all is well, then why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And notice this. The older shall serve the younger. That's how God intended it to be. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. The first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. They called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. And so it was God's plan all along that his, his plan, his lineage down to that Messiah would be through Jacob. That wasn't the way it would normally be done. And you may recall that Jacob... Uh, and Rebekah had to really fool Isaac when he was older and he couldn't see very well. They tricked him into thinking that Jacob was Esau in order to get the birthright. But even though deception was involved here, we know that's the way God intended it to be. Even the going down into Egypt. Uh, Jacob grows up, he has children with four women. His sons become the, the children of Israel and their descendants. Now, Joseph's fav uh, Jacob's favorite wife was Rachel. And Rachel's son, Joseph, was his favorite son. The other brothers were jealous. They, they sell their brother into slavery down in Egypt. He goes to work in Potiphar's house, but God was with him. Uh, he did very, very well there. In fact, pretty soon, uh, the Bible says Potiphar didn't even know what he had because Joseph was taking care of everything. But Potiphar's wife pulled a dirty trick. 
And Joseph winds up in prison. But again, God was with him. God intended it to be this way. God was helping him. Pretty soon he was running the jailhouse. He winds up interpreting Pharaoh's dreams, the seven years of plenty, the seven years of famine. They store up lots and lots of food those first seven years. But then the famine strikes. And it's all over the world, not just in Egypt. Way back up in Canaan, Joseph's family's still up there. And so Jacob hears, hey, there's food down in Egypt. Go down there and buy some. And so he sends some of his sons down there. Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize Joseph. On the second trip down, however, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And they're, they're terrified. They're thinking, oh, man, we've had it now. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph, Joseph just realized it was part of the plan. This is the way God had it worked out. So, so that Jacob's family and that lineage down to the Messiah could be saved, could be preserved, could be fed. They go down into Egypt. Moses, God sends Moses to lead them back to the promised land. Even the going away into Babylon was really what God intended before the carrying away. The prophets had prophesied that they were going into bondage, but they had also prophesied that there would be a return. They had always had a problem with idolatry. Even as soon as they came up out of Egypt, you may remember, while Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the law, they fashioned a golden calf and started worshiping it. Idolatry had always been a problem for the Israelites. After the Babylonian captivity, they never had that anymore. Idolatry was never an issue with them again. So even that, God used that to, to cure them of their idolatry. In Ephesians chapter 3, back over in the New Testament, let's look in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 3, and let's start at verse 9. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. God, he, he had this plan all along. Who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that, that now, and this was in Paul's day in New Testament times, still holds true with us today. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. We're up here preaching these things now. We can look in the Bible and see all of this. It's not a mystery to us anymore. We, we've got it. Might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. It took a long, long time. But when the time was right, God knew when it was the right time to send that Messiah into the world. Jesus would live on this earth for about 33 years. He would be crucified. He would be resurrected, ascend back to heaven. The church would be 
established. And somebody might say, why in the world did he wait so long? A couple of things. One is God doesn't count time. One day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. It seems like a long, long time to us. God doesn't count time. The other thing is, God knew when it would be the right time. And I think about the book of Daniel and his prophecy concerning Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Remember that story? Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonians, has a dream, but he, he can't remember it. And finally, they call, they call for Daniel, and Daniel tells him the dream and tells him the interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar, you saw this great image. It was a terrible image, and it was made out of four different kinds of materials. And, and Daniel said, Nebuchadnezzar, each one of those materials is a kingdom. You, O king, are the head of gold. And so we start with the Babylonians. The second kingdom was the Medes and the Persians who overthrew the Babylonians. They, in turn, were overthrown by the Greeks in the person of Alexander the Great and, and his armies. But then Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, in the days of the fourth kingdom, God will establish a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. That fourth kingdom was the Roman Empire. And it was during those days that Jesus came into the world and the church was established. And T.A. is just going to speculate just a little bit here. Why, why did God wait until this day and time? And the Bible doesn't tell us exactly, but it could have something to do with the fact the Roman Empire offered stability, a, a solid government. It offered laws, a definite set of laws that everybody in the empire had to go by, and those Roman laws actually protected the church in the, in the early days. If it hadn't have been for Roman law, the early Jews who opposed the church would have killed it in the early days. It never would have made it uh, uh, past its birth almost. Those Jews would have killed the church. Roman law protected the church in those days. And, and in its day... Rome offered the best travel that the world had ever had for spreading the gospel, for preaching and teaching the word. The Romans were great road builders. They, they were the best in the world. In fact, there are still roads in Europe that cars are driving on today that were built by the Romans. They were great road builders. The Mediterranean Sea has been referred to as the Roman Lake. They completely controlled it. Roman ships could travel on the Mediterranean Sea without any kind of fear at all. And so travel was the best it had ever been for spreading the gospel. Let me emphasize again, maybe that's why God chose the time of the Roman Empire. The Bible doesn't say that specifically, but one thing we can be sure of, God knew when the time was right to establish the church. And my friends, this big plan that we've been looking at, we are the beneficiaries of that plan. When we take out a, a, a life insurance policy, we have to write our, our beneficiaries. If anything happens to us, these are the people who will receive our life insurance payout. When it comes to God's plan, 
we are the beneficiaries of that plan. We have the church. We have the plan of salvation. If we will be obedient to it, we can spend eternity in heaven. Wow. Uh, in just a few words, we, we've explained something that is much, much bigger than the few things we have said tonight. But, but we can see God's plan and how it gives us that great, great opportunity to spend eternity in heaven. If we will obey the plan of salvation, repentance of sins, confessing the name of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, immersion in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins. Tonight, if you've never been obedient to that plan, this is your chance to do so. Why? We sing the song sometimes that goes, Why do you wait, dear brother? Why, why do you wait? This is a chance and an opportunity for you to obey the gospel. Perhaps you have been a Christian, but you've strayed away. Remember what we said this morning about walking in the light? If we continue to walk in the light and practice the New Testament, the blood of Jesus Christ will continuously wash away our sins. But if we go back, if we stop trying to practice God's Word, that cleansing process stops. And we file into a circumstance that we noticed in 2 Peter chapter 2 this morning. Peter says it's worse than the beginning. Oh, but there's a solution to that too. If we're willing to recognize the situation we're in, repent of those things that cause us to fall away, we can ask for the prayers of the faithful and be restored. And you can do that tonight while we stand and sing.